I'm here today talking to Mohamed Al-Aryan, who's Chief uh, Executive Officer of PIMCO and Co-Chief Investment Officer of, of the company. I'm talking about our new multi-asset fund, um, but firstly I wanted to spend some time understanding the history of PIMCO. Mohamed, good day to you. PIMCO is a very established name in the United States, but not so well known in the UK. Would you be kind enough to explain some of the history of the company? Sure. PIMCO was created in 1971, so just over 40 years ago, by three individuals. They worked in the bond department of an insurance company here in California called Pacific Life. And they managed bonds, which at the time meant going down to the vault, clipping the coupons, and sending them in to get paid. And they realized that there was a smarter way to manage bonds, that they could do it differently. And they could do it differently, not only for the insurance company, but they could also do it differently for clients, for outside clients. So they formed PIMCO as part of this insurance company. Three principles drove PIMCO then. First, the client always comes first. Second, we are an investment management company, not an asset management company, which is a really important distinction. We are driven by investment professional. And third, we have this culture of constructive paranoia. Always worry, always wonder how else can you generate returns? How else can you manage risk? So fast forward 40 years. Today with 2,000 people in 11 countries, 12 offices, we manage much more than U.S. bonds. We manage a whole range of global investment solutions for our clients. We have $1.4 trillion in terms of assets. This is the investment resources. These are the retirement funds, the pension funds. And fundamentally, our three principles have not changed. The client always comes first. We're an investment management company, and we are constructively paranoid. The multi-asset strategy is relatively new to the investment marketplace. Could you help us understand why you've developed it? To understand this multi-asset strategy, you have to go back to 2006. If you remember, in 2006, there were two themes dominating the industry. The first one was Goldilocks. Things are just right, not too hot, not too cold. The second was the great moderation. At PIMCO, we had a very different phrase to capture what was happening then. We called it the stable disequilibrium. The world may look stable, but it was fundamentally in disequilibrium. And this stability would prove elusive. So back then, we asked the question, what do we need to serve our clients through both the journey to the new equilibrium and the destination? What do we need? Of course, that spoke to investment strategies, it spoke to how we manage our business. It spoke to thought leadership, but importantly, it spoke to product design. And we came up with a set of products that would help our clients during the journey and the destination. The global multi-asset strategy is something that has both a journey element and a destination element. And what it tries to do is help our clients have a claim on the upside that comes from a quickly realigning global economy, but at the same time have more downside protection than you normally find in traditional products. Mohamed, on the face of it, the investment process could look quite complicated. How would you explain it in just three sentences to a private investor? Okay, so I would say to them three things. 
first think of it as having two return engines and two WISC mitigators. That will be the first sentence. The second sentence is that the two WISC engines come from asset allocation. Where is the best place to put your money? And secondly, what we call alpha overlays. How do we squeeze a little bit more returns by being smarter about exploiting inefficiencies, about exploiting structural issues? And the third sentence would be two risk mitigators. One is diversification, but that is necessary and not sufficient. And the other one is tail hedging, making sure that you can minimize your exposure to really bad states of the world. So on a day-to-day -day basis, do the portfolio managers uh, work closely together? And is there any crossover of ideas um, between the, the different parts of the portfolio? So yes, we work together very closely, not just because we want to, but we have to. Each of us is responsible for a primary part. So I'm responsible for the asset allocation. Curtis Mewborn is responsible for the alpha overlay. And Vinir Benzali is responsible for the risk management, in particular, the tail hedging. These things can only solve simultaneously. So if you change one, it has implications for the other two. So how does it work? We iterate. We come in in the morning and we look at our holdings. We look at how the portfolio performed relative to our expectations. We look at what has happened overnight. We look at our views. We hear from our colleagues. And then someone may decide that a change is required. They propose that. Then we iterate to see whether it makes sense. What does it imply for the other two? and then we solve simultaneously. So whether we like it or not, and we do like it, this is a strategy that requires that the three of us work extremely closely together, and that's what we do every single day. And can you help us understand uh, whether your investment approach will specifically favor or exclude any asset classes, depending on your view of the macro environment? Let me give you some examples. Back in 2009, when we looked at the European situation, we realized that owning bonds in Greece made no sense. Why? Because there was a high risk of capital destruction. The last thing we want to face in this portfolio is capital destruction. So if we feel that a certain position, a certain asset class will destroy capital, we will have absolutely no hesitation to have zero exposure to it. So that's the first reason why there may be cases where we have no exposure to an asset class or we may have no exposure to part of an asset class. The second reason is if we find better value elsewhere. So there's nothing wrong with the asset class, but you can get better value of something that looks similar to that asset class, even though it's called something else. And this goes back to a fundamental issue. We don't think of asset classes, we think of risk factors. The reason why our investors get paid is not because they own an asset class, but rather because they underwrite a risk. And asset classes simply are a combination of these risks. So if we can find this combination in a better place, then we will expose ourselves there rather than in an inferior place. And that's the second reason why we could be out of certain asset classes at certain times. And could you help us understand what ideas you've been looking at recently and whether there have been any additions to the portfolio? So let me go back in answering that question to the three elements that come together. The asset allocation, 
the alpha overlay, the extra juice, if you like, that we squeeze out of the markets, and the risk management. Let me give specific ideas. In the asset allocation today, we say a fundamental evolution of the commodities complex. In the past, it made sense to be exposed to commodities as a whole. Today, you need to be much more differentiated as to how you're exposed to commodities. In particular, you want to be exposed to commodities that offer certain characteristics. It is not easy to change the supply of them. And on the demand side, they offer something more than normal commodities. So you will see today that our commodity exposure is no longer across the board, but simply in oil and gold. How about the alpha? Well, let's stay in the commodities sector. Oil, there's a big difference today in whether you invest in Brent or, T or WTI. So it's not enough to say oil makes sense because of geopolitical risks, because of what's happening in the world. But in addition, there is a lot to be gained for our clients in being in the very right segment of oil. And finally, in terms of risk management, that is something that we look at every day in terms of asking where can we get the tail hedges? Where can we get the protection for our clients in the most effective way? And today, we find that is most compelling in U.S. And, and European corporates, and in particular, sectors that have benefited tremendously from this massive injection of liquidity, but the fundamentals do not justify valuations. So these are three examples of where we are today in terms of our portfolio. Mohamed Alarian, thank you very much. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.